taken your first step into a larger world. The Force will be with you. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a journey from the Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker. Now, here are your hosts, Calvin and Anna. Hello there. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a chronological look into the Star Wars universe from Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker. I'm Calvin. I've seen a lot of Star Wars. I'm Anna, and I've seen a little bit of Star Wars. And welcome. Yep. So... The Phantom Menace. Interesting movie. I was born, like, a week or so after Phantom Menace came out, and, like, I'm 80% sure that my mom went to go see Phantom Menace in the theater while she was, like, eight and a half months pregnant with me. That's impressive. So you watched Phantom Menace in the womb. You might have the most experience. Yes. It, you know, bled, it, it, not bled through, that's weird. Uh, you know, it had its, uh, it made its way Electron through. Electron passing. <laughs> What's the word for when, like, s- s- stuff goes through cell, wa- cell walls? It's os- osmosis. Osmosis? Okay. Osmosis. Wow, Honestly, this is os- interesting. Os- <laughs> my first experience, my, my first experience with Star Wars was the osmosis of the Phantom Menace. So, yeah. I don't remember what my first experience with Star Wars The Phantom Menace was, was like, but Anna, what do you like about Star Wars The Phantom Menace? So, so my first... This is this has been an interesting week for me. Um watching Phantom Menace, I don't even know how to describe my feelings about it. I think overall it's a good movie with just a lot of points that are very bad. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's 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 a trip. It's a wild wild trip. It's Honestly, genuinely yeah, I think that's a really good way to describe Phantom Menace actually. It's genuinely a really fun movie to watch. Like, I had a good time watching it, but there were moments where I was just like, uh, what? I mean... It's because there's so much going on. Go on. Kelvin, you osmosing Phantom Menace makes more sense than, like, half the shit that happens in Phantom Menace. (laughs) Like, (laughs) the Immaculate Conception in Phantom Menace is a little weirder than that. Like, (laughs) I can't even explain... Um... Yeah, that was I. Uh, I had forgotten that. Like, I'm sort of so used to the concepts of Star Wars that I forgot that that's Anakin's backstory. So yeah. when we got to that scene, I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot this is in this movie," and I couldn't wait for your reaction. Yeah. Um. So keep listening for my whole hot take on how Anakin is Jesus. Yeah. Is actually Jesus Christ. It's um, hard to get stuff where you don't have like you know, religious references and stuff. Anyway, that's getting off topic. Um, so for my, like, just, just initial thoughts. Um, okay. Okay. So first of all, the things that I liked were, um, there was a lot to like in this film. There's a lot of like good, I think, comic relief. There's a lot of interesting characters and interesting character dynamics. Um, I have like a whole list in here of the characters that I like, so I'm gonna talk about that. I love Qui Gon. Qui Gon is sexy, y'all. I thought Qui Gon was literally so hot. Um, you like the Jedi mullet? I like the Jedi mullet. He looks. Oh my gosh, the mullet is so much better than Obi Wan's rat tail. Wait till you see Obi Wan in Episode Two, though. Well, 
that's next episode. Yeah. Um, Qui Gon's sexy. I really like his like, um, attitude. His kind of rebellious attitude towards the Jedi Council, which I don't really know if that's what it's called. So yeah, it's like the Jedi you know what I'm talking. The Jedi Council with like Yoda. So he he doesn't really give a fuck about them. He does what he wants. I mean, he cares about them, but like, he's he's a rebellious dude, and I can get behind that. He, I mean, yeah, like like you said, he does what he wants. Uh, I mean, he's he really should be on the council just for his own unique um, view on stuff. No, but that's the thing: is the reason he's not on the council is because he doesn't he, want like, to can't. do just what the Senate wants. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's really cool. I think that that is the mo- his most interesting trait. Like, that's the reason I like him. Even though I think he's obviously misguided because, you know. This is, yeah, this is something I also noticed while watching this about Qui-Gon. Um, is that, like, we're talking about how he doesn't want to be limited by the Jedi Council's directives. He, But he is still limited by, like, the Jedi's jurisdiction and their mandate that's why he can't just free anakin and he has to i i also forgot like he is a wild gambler in this movie and he cheats too it's just it's i i enjoy the stuff he does that seems underhanded to get to what he believes is right yeah and i think that in his own way he's like fulfilling the like jedi will in a in the way that he sees fit, not necessarily the way that the council sees fit, and I think that's cool. I think that's a cool thing. So going along with another character who does their own thing, Padme, my queen, my love. Is Padme actually her name, or is it yeah. Queen Amidala? Okay, I don't know. I was like, is Padme like fake? But I like Padme. Hey, wait, is the name Amidala? Am I Amidala? Yeah, that 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 is it. It's that that's the. I'm kind of confused by this, but that's the name that she took on when she became queen or something. Like Khaleesi. Like, kind of, yeah. No, that makes that's sense. A, that's a good comparison. Yeah. Uh, I will say just a warning for the next time. It's then used as Amidala is then used as Padme's last name. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which did confuse me about queens when I was a little kid. I honestly think I was probably, I think I might be, have been in my 20s like a year or two ago when I realized that Amidala is supposed to be her first name in this yeah. movie. Like, that's her queen name. And it's it's like Queen Anne. Yeah. Yeah. But I really like Padme. I thought she's dope as fuck. Padme is amazing, wonderful, beautiful, perfect in every single way. Um, I just really loved seeing a, like, strong female character in leadership and that she's young and she's cool. But she's also very, like, when she's acting as Queen Amidala, she's very different from when she's acting as Padme. And I like that we see these very different sides of her that are both still the same person. She is still the very, like, cold and kind of deadpan Queen Amidala. But she's also the kind and caring and generous Padme. And I think that that is part of what makes her, at least currently, like, a interesting leader. Like, that's yeah. why I like her. And I, I like that she doesn't... um I like that she feels very passionate about her role as a leader. She's not doing it for some like stupid reason like money or something. She genuinely cares about the people of Naboo and like and their well-being. And I find mm-hmm. that really awesome. 
Um, I do not like Senator Palpatine, and I'll talk about it later, but I, I just wish my girl would let go of Palpatine because she does not need him holding her back. Um, I also like Jar Jar Binks. I don't want to go into it too oh. deep, though. I don't want to go into it too deep. I feel like... I, me and my sister loved Jar Jar as kids because we were exactly the target age. So he was funny because we were... We were... Uh, I was... When I saw this movie for the first time, it was the same year I saw uh, the original trilogy, but a couple months later. So I was, uh, I was like eight, I think, and Grace was six. So yeah, we... We liked Jar Jar. We liked doing funny Gungan talk. Yeah. I Overall, I like him. I feel like his personality is interesting. His sort of, like, boisterous and yet, like, terrified personality is so interesting. I don't know. I like him. He's funny to me. Uh, maybe I'm just four years old at heart and I just <laughs> like him. Well, we this, are, is, this is clearly his, like, he'll appear in other, he's in the next two movies and he's in Clone Wars. Uh, occasionally, but this is clearly his best movie. Yeah, yeah, he's fun. He's cute. He's like the stupid little dude. I don't know. He's like goofy. He's just the unwitting cause of so much. I yeah. I just the only reason that I am not as much a Jar Jar fan. It's just That's he feels goofy for all the wrong reasons. Okay. I don't know. It's like a lot of it just. Like, that scene with him and where he's fiddling with the pod racer and then his tongue gets all stuck. Like, I don't understand that, why that's there at all. You know, I don't know. I, Not to shit on Jar Jar. I lose it at that scene every time. I am I'm also four. That scene is so funny. I don't know why. They do a similar scene in uh, the reboot Star Trek with Chris Pine. Uh, I don't know. Numb tongue. <laughs> uh, maybe, I, maybe I have no taste. I think it's funny. I, I mean, that part always, that, that part made me giggle both times. I just, he's good. I, whatever. <laughs> um, I freaking hate Anakin. I cannot stand Anakin Skywalker. He is the worst. Oh, okay. He's probably not the character I hate the most, but he's definitely the worst character in the, in this movie so far. Um, like, I don't know about the franchise. I get that he plays a large role in the overall <laughs> series of star wars but in this movie he's super annoying i feel like he's poorly written um just in anakin like outside of all of the jedi stuff boring he's like i'm a spunky kid like from an 80s movie and you know he races not a slave i'm a person he literally i feel like they pulled him out of the like little rascals movie Mm -hmm. and just plucked him into star wars and went well that's it and they didn't do anything to make his character unique or like particularly interesting. So I just hate him. I hate Poor I Jake hate Lloyd. little kids. He is. I I personally found like his stuff with his mother more compelling than I have on rewatches and uh and just sort of the him being plucked out of his his life and thrown into all these new crazy worlds. But yeah, I. I'm not a huge fan of the sort of like his involvement in the space battle. Yeah. Like when he oh flies my the ship. God, that was the worst part. That whole battle, I have a lot of problems with. There were so many things I was just like, okay, is this spy kids or is this? Um, but, but that moment in particular, I was like, all right, all right, we get it. Like somehow this little kid is miraculously more amazing than 
all of these like highly trained professionals but well cool. he like explicitly does it on accident yeah. yeah which i didn't like while watching it but it's also kind of funny like because it i know there's probably some like he was guided by the force stuff but like no he just sort of he manages to shoot the most important part of the ship and win the war by pressing the wrong button yeah yep and people call Ray a Mary Sue. Oh, Honestly, it's kind of disaster child representation. True. But, uh, <laughs> I well, will say, I I wish that they had um, aged Anakin up, like, three years. I think he should have been, like, a preteen or, like, low teenager. Just... You've managed to name the only thing more annoying than a nine-year-old. Well, yeah, but then, like, the angst kind of, I, I feel like, could be played a little bit more. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is, if he was old enough, I could really believe the whole like I hate be like I understand my position in this world and I actively want to change it. Like I, you know, I feel like a nine year old isn't actually like he obviously he understands the concept of being a slave and all that, but I find it hard to believe when I know real life nine year olds who would like I don't know. It's just weird and it's hard to believe he's like his backstory just doesn't seem tangible to me i guess if that makes like i don't care about him as much as i feel like i should um and also the reason though i like that the idea of him being older is when the the jedi council keeps being like he's too old he's too old he's too old i'm like what are you talking about he's like literally nine he's like eight years old like how is he too old to learn the jedi code like for real so i think it, that would have made more sense and been more interesting if he were like 13 then i would have been like wow he's a badass like he's gonna learn how to be a jedi even though he's way too old for it you know i don't know would have liked that yeah and so anyway the only in- interesting thing about anakin is his immaculate conception and him being the and, and having a lot of these midi whatever's these cells that is the worst part of the movie. Like, if there is one thing I could say that, like, should have been just cut out of the franchise, it was the weird cells things that they're talking about. Yeah. That's really bad. I, it basically never comes up again. I will That's say so that. disappointing. Yeah. That's so disappointing. It, yeah, it comes up, like, a little bit later, but, like, not enough. They will, and they will discuss the Force and the mythology of the Force and sort of how living beings interact with the force in far more interesting ways yeah. in later media. Obi-Wan ugly, I don't like him. He's not my friend. The the people having weird accents doesn't sit right with me. I don't know why he's randomly British. Um not that British people don't exist or like can't be in movies, but I feel like a a nice Genam would have suit the movie a little yeah. better. Um Actually, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, if they're Jedi and they're, like, all around each other and raising each other, you feel like they'd all have, you know, Coruscant accents. Yeah. I think it's implied that British is the Coruscant accent, mm-hmm. but, but like, it's kind of sloppy. Yeah. Um, And I think Obi-Wan's character, the thing is, is I I was only interested in him because I knew that he's bigger later on like i knew that he was going to play a big part in the later on like overall franchise Mm -hmm. but during this movie 
I could not have cared less about Obi-Wan. Like, I literally could not have cared less about him. He was boring. The only cool thing he did was it, during what was kill, kill, quotation marks, kill Darth Maul. But well, I don't no, really... No, he's, he's dead. He's dead. I don't believe that Darth Maul's dead for a second because I'm pretty... Like, I don't know. No, no, no. He's not dead. I can't... I don't care what you say. He's not dead. <laughs> that whole scene just felt so whack to me that I just can't believe he's dead. But... It was cool that he killed him, though. It was still a cool scene, and his... I, I really love um, the contrast, though, between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon in that scene, mm-hmm. and, like, their different reactions of being stuck behind those barriers, and Qui-Gon just, like, kneeling and kind of waiting it out, and Obi-Wan was, like, ready to go, ready to fight, and I think that tells a lot about their respective characters, as well as their ages, you yeah. know? I don't know. I really love that. I really loved that moment. Um, but other than that, can't stand Obi-Wan. I was just going to say, I have seen this movie a bunch of times, and this was the first time I was shocked by how little Obi-Wan is in this movie. Yeah, he's like, not in it. He, I, I, Like, I remember how he looks. I know young Ewan McGregor and the spiky hair and the, and the dumb braid. But, like, I, he just sort of is benched for a lot of this movie, and it was mm-hmm. wild. Yeah, I can could totally imagine it being weird to a newcomer who knows the name Obi-Wan Kenobi and knows he's a major character, he's barely in this movie. Yeah, and he's yeah, he's not even graduated to full Jedi like we expect him to be. We hear about him, there's that thing where he's like, I am ready to take the trials, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. but he does do that. He does, He is like, I'm ready to be a real Jedi, but I don't think he actually is. I think the only reason he probably ends up being full Jedi is because Qui-Gon died and Anakin needs someone to train him. Yeah. Obi-Wan Bingo. definitely Yeah. <laughs> Got that nailed. Um but yeah, overall if anything Obi-Wan seems a little immature and boring. I hope he gets more interesting later on. I'm sure he will. Um, oh yeah. And then last, but certainly not least, Daddy wants Kenobi. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, excuse me. <laughs> I did think it was funny because generally Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is considered quite good looking. So I thought you were like ugly, not my friend was a was honestly your hottest take there on Obi-Wan. Well, he, he does have the the, the, the Padawan the, rat tail. The rat tail is so bad. Like that detracts from the. That's um, the only way you can tell this movies from like <laughs> the turn of the century. Um, they thought that hair was a good idea. Yeah, well, they were trying to make him seem sci-fi <laughs> i don't know um, in training yeah anyway so yeah last but not least chancellor palpatine worst character in the movie hate his guts he's such he's definitely the bad guy and i feel kind of stupid saying that because i feel like it's a thing where if i were watching this in chronic not chronological order if i was watching this in release order i would already know that because the way they did the cuts and the way they did the like zooms of editing with senator palpatine just made me feel like okay i think everyone else knows that he's the bad guy except for me because i am watching this in uh, chronological order not release order so but i'm so sure and i know i your silence is interesting to me i'm soaking it up but yeah i definitely think he's a bad guy don't tell me if he is because i don't really want to know until i know that i'm right but but i don't like him even if he is a good guy i hate him I, he is definitely, I find it interesting how he positions himself as like, he's the good politician who's going to get things done. 
and but you you get this sleazy vibe off of him. Mm-hmm. He's so sus. If he were playing Among Us, I would be like, Palpatine is the imposter. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my biggest issue with him, the thing that was just very like, the thing that really set off the alarms for me was Palpatine telling Padme, "You need to get them to elect a new chancellor. You need a a vote of no confidence." And then magically, somehow, just so conveniently, Palpatine ends up being the new chancellor. That felt super shady to me. And it definitely felt more to me like not helping Padme, but helping himself get this like awesome position of power um, in like the sci-fi UN, essentially. So, yeah. yeah um, his first move is to say, hey, we're going to probably have to back off on the whole invasion thing. Like mm-hmm. he freaks out when she goes home. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like him. This is a Senator Palpatine, like, hate, hate podcast. Yeah, Palpatine is a craven, craven politician. He is, he is Mitch McConnell. Palpatine is is Mitch McConnell. Huge Mitch McConnell vibes. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was like my character likes and dislikes. Um, I think we should move on though, because this is, this, this is like an ensemble movie. But it's also, like, there's a lot of, it's a very visually interesting movie. And there's like, a there's lot a, there's going a on. lot going on. So I wanted to see how you reacted to that, Anna. To talk about the storytelling, I have to talk a little bit about, about this being, like, my introduction. Because uh-huh. I feel like yeah. that plays a huge role in it. Because, you know, when this movie came out, the assumption was that everyone would have, like, or most of the people watching it would have already seen the original trilogy. And so I was really like, so, so they were able to kind of jump into the action, just kind of get going without really giving a whole lot of exposition, which is fine. And I'm glad I, I really read through those scrolling, that scrolling introduction um, at the beginning. So I knew what was happening, but overall I was super confused but I do think that there is a visual storytelling element that is super interesting. Um, like, uh, like there are moments. I don't think that it was like Phantom Menace's strong suit, but there were definitely moments in the movie where I was like, whoa, that is super awesome. And I totally know what's happening just be- because of what I'm seeing. And so like one of those moments was with the fight with Darth Maul and especially with those... Um, the Duel Weird. of the Fates is how it's colloquially known as after the music. The 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 what? The Duel of the Fates. The Duel of the Fates. Yes. Yeah. So the piece of music that plays the dun da dun da that one that that's called the Duel of the Fates. And anyway, uh, maybe we should have you do the music in the intro. <laughs> It'll just be Calvin going. I can Calvin acapella Duel of the Fates. Yeah. Anyway, that was one of the moments where you could tell what was going on. Yeah, so that was one of the moments where I, not only could I, I understand what was happening, but um, I understood a lot about the characters and, and their relationships and how they interact with the Force. Um, and that was really, and I think that that's very important, like how each Jedi like specifically uses the Force. Yeah, um, talk about that. Talk about how there's like the difference between, t- talk about the difference between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and how like they use the Force. Yeah, so I don't really understand the Force. And this is another thing, like, the world building wasn't great in the sense of, like, I don't know anything. 
So yeah, that's, my... that's definitely something that you were sort of expected to know by having seen the old movies. Yeah, and and that was my like big thing. Like I don't like I I mentioned this in the notes. Like I don't know how money works in this. So the whole trade federation, like I don't understand the economy of Star Wars. So I can't be too attached to this. But in terms of the force, like I think my first the first time like really seeing anything like super crazy with the force or super noticeable is when he's like oh these credits will be enough or whatever mm-hmm. he he tries to get i don't remember the guy's name but it's the w- guy who Watto Watto yeah he uh Qui-Gon tries to use the force on him and it doesn't work and i was just like okay um what was that <laughs> what was that you tried to do that was weird of you, Pygon. Um, but it's I realize now it was because he was trying to use the force. Um so yeah, I think Qui-Gon is like uses the force in really weird and kind of dumb ways outside of combat. <laughs> like during like for instance, using it to cheat when gambling and stuff was just really funny. But he doesn't use it in any, like, dirty ways when he's fighting Darth Maul. He's very, um, I don't know. He There's, like, an internal peace within him that really shows through during that battle. And how, in contrast, there is sort of a frenzy going on within Obi-Wan and, and a kind of violence within Obi-Wan that I don't think the Jedi are supposed to have. But this is just an assumption. Like, I don't really know much about the Jedi. But Qui-Gon isn't this is a, so... This is a pretty good reading that is... I'm, I'm interested that you picked it up so early because it's yeah. going to be cool to see these characters evolve because we're going to spend a lot of time, not so much with Qui-Gon because unfortunately he's dead, but with Obi-Wan and Anakin and this, you're sort of thinking about the way Jedi used the Force. I, I want you to keep that in mind as we watch further because I think, I think you're going to enjoy that line of thought. Yeah, and it, it was something, I, it's something I think I would have really liked if there was more of it in Phantom Menace, so that is something I'm looking forward to in the in the next movie, and in all the rest. Um, but yeah, I love how Qui-Gon, I just love that, I, I have already said it, but like I love that moment when he's waiting for that, that barrier to open up, and he just kneels, and is like meditating, and then as soon as it goes, he's like ready to fight again. But it shows how the fight is not about like rage or violence for him. It's about something else, something a little deeper, something like it's about maintaining peace and order within the universe. Whereas with Obi-Wan, it isn't about that. It's about I mean, at the end, it's about getting revenge for Qui-Gon, because I don't know if the Jedi are supposed to kill people or not. I have no idea if that's okay. I feel like it probably is, but he like massacred Darth Maul. I mean, again, <laughs> quotation marks because I don't think Darth Maul is dead, but that kill was just so crazy and so full of hate. Um and Qui-Gon didn't fight like that and didn't use the force like that. So Oh, and even using Qui-Gon's um lightsaber at the end. That was cool. That was interesting. So, right? Yeah, cuz yeah. Obi-Wan uses uses the force to get Qui-Gon's lightsaber. Because his own it, got kicked down the bottomless pit. Yes. Yeah. It's really interesting. You're doing, like, a really good reading about, like, the role of the Jedi and, like, you know, different ways that different people are using the Force. And, like, 
yeah, this is this is really interesting. To... Well, it is it is cool again because because like you pick this up and this is what George Lucas and some of the people that were working on the movie were definitely thinking about when they were making this because it's it it is a recurring thing in Attack of the Clones and then in Clone Wars like you're the the role of the Jedi the the ethics of the Jedi what they can do versus what they should do like this is sort of the beginning of that stuff and it's cool that you picked up and we're interested on it because we're getting some more of it. Yeah, no, it's definitely the probably like the most interesting thing about this movie was like what is going on with the Jedi and like what is going on with the Jedi Council as well. Mm-hmm. Like um so yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. those are my thoughts. Um, right, Calvin, you have I know you haven't talked as much cuz we were sort of doing Anna's first reaction, but do you yeah. have anything you want to bring up before we sort of go on? Um not really at the moment because we're gonna hit the analysis and then the real world stuff. Yeah. So So, um I just wanted to say yeah. a couple things, uh, if that's alright. Yeah. Yeah, I just in rewatching this, I hadn't seen Phantom Menace in a while, and uh I was struck by how well it hold, held up, like visually. Just design it didn't look dated. Uh in a way that some old sci-fi movies do. Uh, and like, I think that's one of the qualities that Star Wars has that we'll see is that it manages to... Star Wars has been being made since the mid-70s and is still being made in the present. We'll watch... Our timeline, like in the real world, will span 1977 to 2020. And, and beyond, yeah. Uh, and so... We, uh, I, I'm just, I was impressed by how, how good it looked for a movie from 1999. Um, and I just, I think it's, there's so much fun design work in the movie that, uh, I, I just always enjoy it. Of all the prequel movies, it's for me the most fun to look at because there's so many new, new and different things. All the planets contrast each other really well. Yeah. And, uh. Also, though, I think this is I, I think we'll talk a little bit more about music the next time because we'll have gotten two movies worth of it. But uh, this movie is carried by the soundtrack. I, I have to totally agree um, in terms of just all, all of what you said. Absolutely. I was so surprised at how good like the CGI is in this mm-hmm. movie. The, I mean, this is like some of the first CGI ever, too. Like yeah, they were inventing and- it on the fly. And Jar Jar Binks, like, whether or not you like him, you have to, like, his, his, his CGI is so impressive for the time. yeah. It's, I mean, he is, first of all, he, he has so much screen time. His movements are relatively, like, fluid and nice. He doesn't look really weird, like, next to the live actors. And he's also very detailed, which is just extremely impressive. Um, And obviously yeah. CGI has evolved a lot since then, but, like whoa it still holds like it's still impressive now um i loved that i loved that there were some special effects um that i didn't love as much but for for, but overall everything looked really good and realistic yeah you know in the original in the original release of phantom menace yoda was a puppet they they used god i forgot about horrible puppet yoda yeah Uh, so wait in this 
And this so, version was Yoda not a puppet? Did they no. like retcon it or something? He's, yeah, yeah he got they got edited in as CG. I see. That's interesting. I'll have to like yeah, look Google, up a video. Definitely Google puppet Yoda. Uh, if you if you want to see something horrible, because the original Dang. puppet, the original puppet Yoda from the original movies is one of like regarded as one of the best like sort of detailed puppets ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and and was and was sort of the same thing you were saying about Jar Jar. People said about Yoda in the days before CGI that like he had so much screen time, he was detailed and felt alive. But the the Phantom Menace Yoda puppet is a fever dream. That's so interesting. I I definitely like. I can't wait till we get to Puppet Yoda because like I I love puppets. Huge puppet fan. So yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um. But yeah, just in general, I think a lot of things looked really good, and then a lot of things looked really corny. I thought, like, Naboo, a lot of Naboo was corny as heck to me. All of their um, fight, like the army's outfits of Naboo, their little hats, that was oh, weird. Yeah. Like, that was really bad design. I thought well, that was just embarrassing. Interesting thing about that, though, is that it's implied, it's like, they're, we see them fight in it and they we see them fight in their uniforms but it's sort of implied that they're mostly ceremonial that one of the more interesting lines in the movie i thought was that the security forces all volunteers oh i didn't even they're realize not, that uh they're not they? and it's like not an arm naboo is sort of the whole time it's like yeah we we don't really we don't have an army we can't fight and that's why they have to team up with the gungans but like they're basically wearing dress arm yeah, like it's, no. it's it's not practical, but I think I think it was at least somewhat intentional. That is a really interesting take because that that actually makes a lot of sense because the, the whole time I just thought it was weird. I thought it made no sense. It had no practical use. So that is a really interesting point that it actually it's supposed to feel weird because they aren't fighters. Yeah, we'll see uh, armies. We'll see like different armies throughout this era of planets of the republic of the set of the uh, bad guys and we will <sighs> see um how like and i think it'll be easier to like tell that the naboo folks are they're they're more akin to like if anything like old-fashioned police yes like, like british like, police officers yeah, yeah exactly like with their little bobby caps yeah. yeah. Um and there there were some like corny moments in Naboo, like the the spy kids like grappling hook gun. That was oh. really dumb. <laughs> but but there were moments that were really awesome. I think um Tatooine, right? That's the name of the yeah. dusty planet, the yep. the one run by <laughs> the Jar- dusty planet. <laughs> the one Tatooine is the dusty planet. It is, is the it sandy planet. It is the sandy planet. Excuse me. There is a um, very dis- there. There's a big distinction between sand and dust here. Um. Okay. I kind of want to see a species called just like called dust bunnies now. No, it's a gang. The dust bunnies. <laughs> um. But yeah, I love Tatooine. I thought that was the coolest planet. I was super into everything that happened on Tatooine. I thought that was just super fun. And the aesthetic was really interesting. Though the sort of neutral color palette 
really did it for me. I really just, I loved it. So so the aliens in Tatooine were really interesting to look at. They have all these different languages that they're speaking. I love that scene where they're sort of walking through and Jar Jar, I think, like, grabs something to eat and then, like, spits it out when he finds out it costs money. And then it hits some other dude and it causes this whole altercation from which he has to be saved by Anakin. Mm-hmm. And that was just so cool and edgy. And I love that. That is just so absolutely my vibe um so much of this movie felt very western to me i swear to god i was like the jedis are cowboys this is a western but that's kind of why i like tatooine is it just reminded me of a cool western movie well the um, original star wars was described as a space western so yeah it literally felt that's felt like it's described as a space western george lucas is some of his main inspirations for star wars were westerns uh there's a direct reference to a specific one in, in Attack of the Clones, uh, the next movie. But yeah, there's there's so much frontier influence in Star Wars, and Tatooine is like the best expression of it. Calvin and I were talking uh, how we think, we both agree that like it's the, the sort of quiet moments on Tatooine that really make the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love the moments... Um, with CP, C, C3PO? C3PO. C3PO is really dope. I, I'm pretty sure he comes in in other movies. Because um, I feel like I've heard that name before. But I thought he was really cute. Like, I, I really thought he was just, like, a little robot friend. And and those moments, that that's something that made me want to like Anakin, were those moments with um with his little robot. Um, in contrast, yeah. R2-D2 hate club. Really? <laughs> I was mad at the R2-D2 scene. Yeah. They're, so they were like, wow, this little robot did it. He fixed the ship. And I was like, yeah, because that's what he fucking does. He's a robot. Even if he couldn't fix it, he's still going to try until he does it or breaks down because he's a fucking robot. Like, is he sentient? No. So why are they thanking the robot for doing what robots do? I thought that was dumb. But uh, So that, I will say this that. This is some droid hate speech here. Well, that... that that scene is interesting how it plays to somebody who is not already familiar with R2-D2 and has, like, affection for him from the original movies. Because it's sort of, it's supposed to be his introduction overall, but to the audience who's seen Star Wars before, it's a reintroduction. So it's sort of like, hey, old friend! And and that was, because I, like, really like that scene as his introduction, but I also, that's not how I was introduced to him. Mm-hmm. It's sort yeah, of, like, so to fake, me- it's it's fake react. It's all, it's like different levels of reaction based on like, oh, should I have met R two? No, because this is the first movie. But I already know who he is. Yeah, and I could see how that that scene might appeal to someone and think like, oh, he's so cute. But to me, it's like, unless he is like a sentient being, like I don't get why people are making a big deal about this robot for doing its fucking job. Like I don't, I don't. <laughs> Maybe this is droid hate speech, but I don't cheer on my pencil sharpener for sharpening my pencil, you know? Um, but we, but uh, in- I think I think the sort of droid sentience topic is a little too big for this episode, but it's definitely something we should return to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, but that's the thing. Like, I, that's why I like um, C-3PO, because he's, he seems sentient and cool and cute to me. So I like him. Anyway, that was, but yeah, Tatooine, the best part of the movie. Um, and that's, that race was really fun to watch. That race visually is really interesting, I think. 
everyone loves a pod race. So I always make yeah. sure to set aside my stuff and, you know, just like lay back and watch the pod race. That, uh, it's just, we talk, uh, I mentioned the music, but that they kill the music and go like full sound design with like all the different cool sounds of the, of the racers. And it's all, it's, it's, it's such a fun scene from like a, a sort of visual effects technical perspective. And then it's just an exciting race in the middle of my Star Wars movie. That's always fun. Yeah, it, it's really good. I, I love, I, lo- I loved it. I thought that it was a really great addition to the film. I, th- I, I like a scene that kind of gets the adrenaline going that isn't a fight scene. I get really, I think um, just people beating each other up gets really, t- like it, it tires quickly. And, and so having something to kind of get the adrenaline going, to get excited about that isn't a fight was really great for me. Like I loved it. So yeah. Yeah. I also like have to throw in quick as a, as a broadcast major, I am highly entertained by the announcer guy. Yeah. Especially the fact that, but that's also sort of a fun thing that like Anna was talking about with the, the, all the different aliens on Tatooine. We have one half of the announcer guy talking in English, but we straight up can't understand the other guy. He's like narrating in two languages the whole time. And we are not, there's no subtitles. It's not for us. Yeah. And that is something that like, there are so few things in this movie that make the world feel full and Tatooine and like, including that announcer, that's what really made the world feel full and full of Mm -hmm. culture and cultures that even if we don't understand there are cultures that exist in this world and that's something i always get really excited about like i love language and i love language and and like made up languages not to get all tolkien but so that that was i i also thought that was really cool and really fun i feel like there's a huddies to to, to basic dictionary somewhere there's at least uh there's there's translations for a decent amount of what's said on screen there they're mostly consistent about like keeping their made up words straight yeah mm-hmm. we did want to talk about some of the uh talk about less of the in-universe stuff and more sort of analysis from our perspective as watching it in the real world yeah yeah this is some of the things i'm like the most interested to hear about like from you guys because i don't really know anything about the real world politics with this so like i want to know yeah. fire away calvin oh lord um well i mean one thing that i remember well, that was really big in our our discussion uh, between me and Wyatt was like, you know, take a drink whenever you see a character on screen who's named after a Republican. You know, it's just just to be clear, Newt Gunray is Newt Gingrich. Yeah, really? And, like, uh, and the uh, the senator, he's a blink and you miss a character. But the senator from the Trade Federation is uh, Trent Lott, who was a big Republican politician at the time. Yeah. Uh, and George Lucas is a, I don't know actually how I would just, I don't know how he identifies politically, but he's definitely a liberal and he's definitely kind of a, kind of a rascal with how he interacts with right wing stuff. Yeah. That's really interesting. I did pick up on that, but I, I have picked up, it's like, I think it's very funny because a lot of the people I know who like love Star Wars are white men who identify as like Republicans, you know? And I'm like, it's so funny because watching this, it's pretty clear to me that um the ideology of Star Wars is pretty left leaning. So Yeah. I mean it's an entire fuck you to capitalism. Yeah, no, um, really. Yeah. Because yeah, I, mean, I mean that's everyone sort of says that the like, oh, basing it around trade and like this a boring trade dispute is like uh, it's a boring movie but it's like even though the like anna 
talked about. The, the actual specifics of the money stuff is kind of vague and unconvincing. But, like, the villains are essentially Amazon. Yeah, it, yeah, which is uh, really interesting to think about, like, in today's day and age. Especially, like, coming off of things like the Capitol Insurrection and, uh, you know, all, all of the wealth going into the hands of a few people. And then, like how, you know, how it can sometimes take a lot over a long period of time to change certain things. Like, you know, uh, like thinking about the way that, like the whole Senate scene is just so slow. And like, you you know, you can't help but like sympathize with that because our current, I mean, like watching, you know, le- legislation itself, at least in American government is also just kind of slow to look at too. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt, I felt like a connection with the Senate scene more than usual because like you allow a committee to be appointed to like see if your accusations are valid so then we can decide what to do and Padme is just like, hello, my people are dying um, and that conflict felt very relevant to our current situation which is just, it is impressive to me and a little scary how much the prequel stuff holds up in mm-hmm. this respect, because that scene was written probably at best in 1997. Like, none of us were alive and we're still living with the same problems. Yeah. I mean, look at yeah. how, well, I mean, I mean, look at how long it's taken COVID relief to get out, you know? Yeah. Well, something that I thought was, re- sorry, not to get like into real, uh, into in universe stuff again, Do it. but Do that, it. something that just, I just, that was so interesting to me that really stood out to me was. In that scene, in the Senate scene, it is like the bureaucracy is the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, Padme's, the people of Naboo are dying and waiting around for this bureaucratic BS is going to have more people killed until there is nothing left of Naboo. Like the committee won't be formed by the time Naboo is gone. Um, but so so in that scene, like bureaucracy is bad in, in that whole regard. But in in the Jedi Council... I feel like the bureaucracy, like Qui-Gon is the bad guy, you know? Qui-Gon who's like going against the, the I, I said that, what did I, how did I put it earlier? Um, Yeah, it, it felt, it feels, well, maybe, and this is just because I know that Anakin is going to grow up to do some pretty shitty things. Mm-hmm. Um, But Qui-Gon is wrong. Like what he's doing with Anakin is wrong essentially well even though technically we don't know that or i shouldn't know that yet it feels weird to me that in this moment it's like very anti-bureaucracy and then in another moment it feels very pro pro like government (laughs) yeah pro oversight i guess yeah i don't even know i don't want to call the jedi council like a government but you know they're kind of like that there's a lot of parallels within the prequel version of the Jedi specifically to the Catholic Church, uh-huh. I think, uh, especially design-wise, as we'll get more into the temple. Um, and I could definitely see the Jedi being compared to the Vatican, where like they are, they're a religious order, but they've also got like power, real, real yeah. power in yeah. government. No, I one hundred percent, I see that, and so it's interesting. It's interesting, but also I, I, I don't know that much about the Jedi, and I'm interested in seeing like why the Jedi was formed and what they are trying to un- uphold in comparison to what the Senate is trying to uphold. Because mm-hmm. maybe we're, it, maybe it's not like pro or anti bureaucracy, but it's like pro Jedi, anti Senate. I don't know. But anyway, we can go back into the real world stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, but again. Stay tuned. This is not the end of that sort of stuff. We'll still be thinking about this. So I'm um, there's there's some stuff I'm really excited for you to see. And and yeah, I mean like 
kind of continuing on with the religion stuff. I mean, you know, you, we mentioned it earlier. Anakin is Anakin is Jesus. That's just so Which funny is, to me. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting too because Star Wars is. I mean, it's like known in sort of pop culture that Star Wars takes a lot from Eastern religion and Eastern mythology. Mm-hmm. which is sort of something that came out of the original trilogy stuff, uh, which Anna has not seen. Um, but the uh, fact that the Jedi are essentially a religious order is a interesting thing to think about as they are just sort of our swashbuckling cowboy heroes, like Anna said. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think that it's a really cool, um, I don't know, it's a really cool concept. Like, I like the Jedi. They're, they're, they're cool dudes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But the Immaculate Conception, I really can't get behind. I don't understand, like, why that had to be put in there for us to believe that he was the chosen one. They were like, it's, you're talking about the prophecy. It's like, okay, well, enough of this. It's <laughs> all just plot this. armor. At the end of the day, they stuck that in there for plot armor. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. really know either, because it's not touched on a lot. Like, it, it, Anakin's lived experiences on Tatooine affect him far more than like i mean not to not to interject my real life but i wasn't immaculately conceived but i've also got no dad i have two Mm -hmm. moms and i don't have like a father figure and that's just sort of the life anakin grew up with as well he just had a mom and he was a kid so he just sort of accepted that he had a mom and no dad and that was fine because when you're a kid you don't really it's not as like you don't start questioning question Yeah. yeah you don't start questioning like oh where did I come from? And so it's just, it's such a weird, in a in a very weird movie, I think it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, I, I think it's also the weirdest thing. I just could not get behind it. And in this whole prophecy thing, I'm not a huge fan of. I think prophecies are a really kind of bullshit way to build a plot and to build a story. Yeah, I that, feel like it, can, yeah. it's, it feels like a cop-out almost all the time. There are very few like prophecy plot lines that I can get behind and this felt so like thrown in there at the last minute that I just it was actually it was literally like upsetting to watch for me <laughs> I hated that part and the immaculate conception was just the worst moment um yeah there's far more interesting stuff that they luckily that they do pick up on with Anakin in in stories where we see him more grown up than, yeah than the sort of generic I mean because like it is it we Immaculate Conception is a Bible story. We've seen that before. We've seen prophecies. And I I think it would just, I don't know. There's a part of me that like, I don't even think you really needed it. I don't think Anakin could be like, have a lot of potential without having to be like, immaculately conceived. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he could have been the chosen one without it. Interesting. uh, This is a long time off, but... Whenever we get to the sequel trilogy, it'll be interesting to compare Anakin with Rey. Yeah. Especially on the early stuff with Rey. Yeah. So, right. But that's a long way off. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Rey. I mean, like, this is, yeah, that, that's the whole thing. We're like, you know, if anyone is a Mary Sue, it's going to be Anakin. Anakin just, like, gets his powers, you know, handed to him. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next time on First Steps, we will be discussing the movie that In Sync was almost in, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of Clones. Thank you guys for listening to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us on Facebook at First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, on Twitter at First Steps SW, and on Instagram at First Steps Star Wars. You can 
stream us on any of the major podcast handles, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thanks a lot.